listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Adan Diaz and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. And today I have a very special guest for you guys. He is one of my good friends that I've met in uh, another uh, Broncos podcast. He goes by the name of uh, Chris Hernandez. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on the show. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate having you here. So, Chris, for the people that don't know you at home and listening elsewhere, uh, tell us a little bit about us and how you became a Broncos fan. Yeah, all right. So, um, I'm... So, growing up, I've never lived anywhere more than four years my entire life. And so, I never really had a a place called home. Um, And and, uh, didn't didn't have uh, any city that I would be drawn to. I uh, also grew up. Uh, <laughs> I was a '90s skater punk, so I wasn't <laughs> wasn't really into <laughs> wasn't really into football. Uh-huh. And so then uh, I joined the military, uh, Air Force, and which I'm I'm currently still in, 24 years strong. Okay. Um, but uh, when I got to my second base in Germany, I I, I met this dude that you know, was a huge Vikings fan, and he was like, "Sundays for football," and I'm like, "Nah, dude, Sundays for like." playstation or something <laughs> and he's like he, he he kept chipping away at me and i i started uh watching um watching football with him uh, but i didn't truly have a, a team to root for uh so back up a little bit i before i joined the air force i was considering going to to asu um down down in down in arizona and uh so i did a little research and so that was 95 96 time frame and uh jake Plummer was the quarterback for for asu did pretty well Uh, he came out got drafted by the uh, cardinals and so fast forward now i'm I'm starting to watch some some football i'm like all right let's let's see what jake Plummer is doing and and uh right away i was like oh the cardinals (laughs) (laughs) and uh being overseas and 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 in germany you don't get a lot of football anyways Mm -hmm. and the little bit of football we got was usually the the big name teams and at the time it was the broncos and so I kind of like, oh, all right, the Broncos, let's see what they're about. Um, but still never really shows uh, allegiance to anyone. Uh, I continued to follow Jake Plummer uh, for the next few years. And then uh, when I was uh, stationed in Korea, uh, another overseas base, uh, we started getting more more games. But that's the time he, he got traded to the Broncos. And of course, the Broncos are always on. T- I, I don't think I saw but two Cardinals games the whole time I was watching him. But uh, so now I got to see a bunch of Broncos games, and he was, uh, he, he, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty decent. And uh, I got to see him, you know, take it to the playoffs where he had the worst game he could possibly have <laughs> in the playoffs. But uh, you know, bad, bad, de- bad day to have a, a bad day. But. Um, and then uh, they they tried to trade him to I think what the Buccaneers, yeah. And uh, he, he was like, yeah, I'm not having it. And uh, but I continue to be a Broncos fan, and, and that fandom just kept growing and growing. Um, you know, I dealt with Kyle Orton years and that that kind of thing, but <laughs> who didn't <laughs> around that time? Uh, but yeah, that's that's how I became a Broncos fan. I was just uh, I was I dug in from that moment. And I was like, this is this is my team. This is who I love. And uh, I'm I'm all hard about it. I might not be the the smartest Broncos fan out there, but uh, I definitely uh, definitely have uh, bleed uh, orange and blue. All right, all 
right, well, that's good to hear. Uh, and first of all, let me say thanks for your service in the armed forces. Oh, I appreciate your support. Uh, thank you. Thank you for you know, going out there and putting your lives out and protecting everybody in this country. It really does mean a lot. Yeah, and, appreciate that. Yeah, and, you know, it's, I, I don't know if you, uh, you've heard my story of, uh, of how I became a Broncos fan. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to state a small part because I don't know if I included it in one of my previous uh, episodes. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah, go for it, man. I want to hear. Yeah, it was basically, uh, have you ever seen The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an episode where Homer gets a new job. And he goes out to Cypress Creek, uh-huh. and he tells his boss, or actually his boss asks him, like, what is what is his wish? Like, if he could uh, uh, have a, like a wish granted, what would it be? And Homer, you know, kind of embarrassingly says that one day he would like to own the Dallas Cowboys. So, <laughs> anyway, fast forward towards the end of the episode, his boss sends him like a, a special gift. But instead of the Cowboys outside of Homer's house, it's the Denver Broncos. <laughs> and the the animators made it look like, you know, the players are bumbling and they can't catch the ball. <laughs> yep. and, you know, and they just made it, they just totally made a joke out of it. So that to me was actually the very first time I got introduced to the Broncos. Because up until then, I had no idea who they were. Like, I know who the Bears were, but that's because, you know, I live in Chicago, so everywhere you go, it's right. like, you know, Bears this and Cubs that and Sox, Blackhawks. But football never really got my attention. So, that episode was actually when I actually started to, uh, I paid attention to it. I wasn't like a diehard fan yet. And I actually yeah. saw the, the Super Bowl, the 98 Super Bowl with uh, John Elway and, and the Falcons. That was the very first game I saw, and I actually, I loved it, you know. And that's when I actually started to become uh, a Broncos fan. And over time, you know, I went back and I read up on John Elway and, you know, seeing all his passes and, and what have you. And I, I just believe that the more I started reading and watching the Broncos play, the more I just started loving and loving the game. You know, also as I was getting older, it just something that I started hanging out with people who were really, you know, diehard fans. Most of them Bears fans, but right. know, I always liked being, you know, the odd duck, as they used to call me. <laughs> yeah. So I remember that episode, too. That It was like, oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. That's awesome, man. And so, it, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, sorry. So, uh, how, how does your, uh, all your friends think about, uh, Fangio coming over to to the Broncos. You know what? My cousin is a, a Bears fan, and so is one of my best friends. And they they were sad to see him go. You know, especially with how it took Fangio, I would say, what three or four years to mold mm-hmm. that defense, and then uh, the GM just going out and snatching Khalil Mack from the Raiders. That, that was just overkill. I mean, that defense was already going to be yeah. legit. And Khalil Mack just going out there and him having fun. 2018 was was it was the it was the year of the bear. Let me yeah. Put it to you that way because they were that defense was going out there and uh, I know there were a couple of people on social media I read that were comparing them their season to what Denver was going through in 2015, which was a fair point to be honest with you mm-hmm. because I mean Trubisky uh, Trubisky had a couple of great games but he also wasn't lighting up the scoreboard. Per se, you know? Right. 
uh, most of those games that the Bears won were because the defense gave the offense, you know, great position. And it, as, even though I'm not a Bears fan, it sucks that their season ended because of a fucking field goal, dude. Mm, yep. It, it really sucks. I would have <laughs> been better off if it was like a, a, a Trubisky pick six or, you know, the defense not being able to stop the offense or something like that, you know. But was it because of a double joint, dude? And, yeah. Man, that that was tough. Yeah. That was tough. And then uh, my cousin was actually at the game, and he was sending me video of just like Bears fans just losing uh, their minds, bro. I bet. So it was. I, I, I my cousin get home safely. <laughs> didn't that guy get a death threats and all that too? Oh I yeah. Can't remember. Uh, Parky. Yeah, Parky. that's him. Yeah. He, he, Man. He got. You got some threats, bro. But, yeah, that's I mean, not cool, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not cool, but you honestly can't say that it wasn't like, um, I don't even know what the word. And uh, let's go with intended. Like, I'm pretty sure when Parky was standing there watching, I'm pretty sure he's like, oh, fuck, people are going to. Yeah. You know, it was it, it was kind of like he was having a Steve Bartman moment, you know. Exactly. That he had to be escorted through security and, you know, have cops sitting outside his home when, when if people found out where he lived. And it was pretty scary. But Absolutely. It's, it's, actually, uh, it's actually interesting because I knew of Vic Fangio because of, I believe he was the co, the defensive coordinator for the, um, for the 49ers in 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and had the 49ers had a little bit more luck against the Seahawks, it would have been the Broncos versus the 49ers at that Super Bowl. Yeah, so, that's actually who I was, uh, was hoping for mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Um, because um, while I, I didn't have any worries that the offense would be powerful for, for the, the Broncos. Mm-hmm. But I, I was concerned, you, you know how the, the the phrase that defense wins championships. Right. And the Legion of Boom was uh, on fire that, that season. And oh, yeah, uh, that concerned me in the playoffs. I was like, ooh, come on, go Niners. Because I think if it, it was a, a Niners-Broncos game, uh, Broncos would have uh, easily handled them. Yeah, and, and that was a game that should have happened because the Niners, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, the Niners had our number, you know, we got... Mm, exactly. We got crushed by Joe Montana, so I was really hoping for that revenge game, even though it wasn't obviously the same team, but the, right. the, you know, the animosity and the intensity was there, so when we got the, the, the Seahawks and, you know, Richard Sherman just running his mouth, I just thought to myself, like, uh, okay... You know, we're going to get Russell Wilson, who was just, uh, what, just a barely under a year under his belt. Yep. And, and that defense. And I was like, okay. I, I expected it to be a challenge. I really wasn't thinking it was going to be uh, <laughs> a steamroll. Yeah, I didn't think anyone expected that, honestly. And uh, e- even though there was the botch play, I was kind of like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I still held on hope because I'm like, all right, this is a powerful offense. They can overcome this. They have time. But uh, it just rattled them. Um, you know, the the whole thing about uh, what I was saying earlier, uh, picked a bad time and have a bad game. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, truly. And the fact that the Broncos defense went in there limping, they didn't have Von Miller, they didn't have yeah. Junior. So it was that was just more pressure put on uh, the offense. You know, absolutely. And, and it, unfortunately, I'm telling you, I would rather lose. You know, ten games in the regular season, and if it meant that I was going to go to the Super Bowl and win that, you know, absolutely. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but it, yeah, that was that was the game I was I was like hoping for Champ because uh, I really wanted Champ Bailey to get that ring. He he had a phenomenal career, you know, obviously Hall of Fame career, and uh, he he really deserved to get that Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually his last year with the team, right? It was. Okay. Yeah. I th- yeah. I, sometimes I think he left in 2012, but no, you're right. It was 2013. Mm-hmm. When, uh, but he was more on the, uh, he felt towards like second because Chris the Chris Harris Jr. leapfrogged him in the, uh, yep, in the, uh, in the roster, which, which to me was fine because you know obviously he was starting to show show his age and you could you can't expect him to try to keep up with those 20, 22, 23 you know year olds coming out of college and quit the shit. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I honestly think that he should have gotten a ring that year and just let him ride off into the sunset. But at least he got into the Hall of Fame. And even though it's not a Super Bowl championship ring type of caliber, uh, it's still impressive on your resume. As an, oh, absolutely. As an NFL player, excuse me. So I think he'll, he'll, be, uh, he'll be doing just fine. So <laughs> let's talk about what you think how you think our team is looking this season what have you seen in training camp and who has impressed you and who do you think has room to improve so first off the training camp the these injuries that have come up have have really been i mean injuries going to happen it's part of the game mm-hmm. but uh the you know the the scare with uh bradley chubb uh during the scrimmage the other the other night oh, um that that you know we're we're hoping that he comes back at full force, and having him uh, limp limp around and having ice on his knee, uh, that that's pretty scary. Yeah. And I um, uh, so I mean that that has been one of the stories that I, I've been following. Uh, not necessarily just Bradley Chubb's injury, just the the injuries itself. Um, I don't I don't want I am hoping they won't plague us. Um. To, to and, and just like Todd Davis, um, you know he's 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 not the best player. I'm not he's not the flashiest player, but he's a smart dude and he gets our defense in place where they need to be. Where they, the green dot on his helmet, he's the gr- green dot guy, and so uh, you know that that's valuable. Leadership is valuable. Um, it and uh, whether whether you know he might not be the best against. Um, uh, defending uh, the past, but you know, having having him on the field is is a tremendous help on uh, on the rest of the players and, and getting them in position. And uh, I, I I hope he's well enough to um, start the season. I mean, it sounds like he will be, uh, but still, uh, having just some some injuries uh, to to the the defense. Has definitely uh, been one of the, the storylines I've been following. 
Right, and and I actually agree with that. I do remember reading that article about uh, them having to wrap ice up uh, Bradley Chubb's knee, and I almost wanted him to go straight to church and pray, you know, like just <laughs> at least yep. get us, at least get us to the postseason before you any do anything, Lord. Just don't <laughs> don't give us <laughs> bad news. Don't give us that kind of bad news. But yeah, you're right. Uh, and for the vets. It, uh, you can't really say it's the lack of preseason because preseason isn't really so much for the vets. It's more for the rookies. Right. You know? And it's also for the coaching staff so they can kind of run formations and get an idea of who plays good where. Because as most people know, it doesn't really matter what the score is in preseason. Uh, you know, you can win all four games in preseason and then go into the regular season and, you know, play like shit. <laughs> right. So, and honestly, I'd rather them lose the preseason games uh, because they're trying new techniques or they're pushing the limits and, you know, got caught doing something wrong. And then they learn from it. So then they can play uh, good preseasons. I, I, I can't remember. Wasn't Didn't the Lions win all four of their preseason games the that season? They went yeah. zero and 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, something like that. So it's like. All right, they they did great during preseason, but they bombed the the regular season. I, and I'd rather not have that happen. Yeah. And uh, but not having a preseason, you know, it's really like you said, hurting the rookies, uh, but also those guys fighting for a roster spot. Yeah. And uh, you know how how uh, often have we had these undrafted rookies make the team? You know, it, it, I think we have a good consecutive uh, streak going with that. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. being a, a notable, Philip Lindsay, uh, you know, superstar. Uh, they might not have got a shot this season because uh, no preseason. So I'm curious uh, which player might have been that person on the team on the roster right now um, uh, that that is missing the shot. Uh, from from what I'm hearing, um, it, it could be uh, that uh, that uh, Bassy or, or Bossy, <laughs> but. I, I don't know. No, and I actually agree with you. And one thing that I was actually reading and looking at, and I was actually thinking that maybe I could turn it into an episode, but was the story, somebody had written an article about how Drew Locke was struggling in that scrimmage game. And, yes. you know, it was a side of Drew Locke that we hadn't seen towards in the start of camp. You know, because up until that scrimmage game, it was, you know, Drew Locke finds Jerry Judy, and Drew Locke is on fire, and Drew Locke is doing this and doing that. And in my head, I'm like, you know what, this is really great news, but I just hope this isn't, they're not trying to cover up for uh, mistakes he made on the field. Because since this is close, most of these practices aren't all, it's not all tele, uh, televised. So there's, right. know, there's no fans allowed to watch the entire practices like before. And even if you do watch the live stream, it's I think they only show you certain areas or up to a certain point. And then it gets right. cut off, you know. So I, to me, I'm, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm just hoping that they're not just trying to cover up, uh, you know, times where Drew Locke uh, struggled, where he got picked off, where he didn't... Uh, read movements or what have you because especially when you have uh, that weakness in our O-line which is the right tackle I, mm-hmm. I, have, I don't really have a lot of confidence in Wilkinson and all of us have yet to see what Dotson can do so that right tackle position is something that Drew Locke is going to have to keep an eye on uh, depending on you know who's rushing from that side 
But as we saw from the last five, uh, five games that Drew Locke played last year, when Wilkinson was the starter, Drew Locke's jersey wasn't like a Flacco jersey where he just kept getting hit and smashed into the ground, you know? When Drew right. was able to scramble, he was able to scramble, which is great, you know, it's great news. But at the same time, we needed something like what happened in that scrimmage game to happen so that way it opened up Drew Locke's eyes like, you know, okay, shit, this is a bad game that I'm going to eventually have because it's going to happen during the season. He's going to go in there and he's going to have one, hopefully just one shitty-ass game. And what's going to make him a great quarterback is him having to reflect on that and learn from that and say, okay, you know, I, I messed this up on this play. I'm going to work on fixing that and, you know, fixing this and learning that. So... If he can get that under his belt, that mindset going, and kind of hone in almost that Peyton Manning-like, uh, uh, well, not essence, but more like mentality, where he can look at a defense and, you know, he can audible on the spot, and he can move players around and, you know, do what he does, instead of always just, hey, throw it long to Judy, or throw it long to Sutton, and, you know, or always having to sh- settle for the short run with with Hamlin, or always having to hand it off for the for the run, you know. So if right. he can come up with uh, with ways to work around that and actually be uh, a contender to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, sky's the limit. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, the thing I liked about the scrimmage um, and knowing that the defense dominated and offense struggled um you know, remember a few years back when case keenum was at camp and everyone was praising him because he wasn't there was no interceptions and you know he, he was lighting up the defense um, what we found out was uh our defense wasn't all that strong to to begin with and so it wasn't necessarily case keenum lighting him up but uh we you know, we had some struggles and that season we did have a, a few struggles with our defense but um so seeing uh, our defense dominate makes me think, okay, maybe we do have a potential top 10, top 5 defense. And that now iron sharpens iron and our offense is having to, you know, step up their game. And they're making mistakes, but Drew Locke, he, he seems to be learning from his mistakes. Uh, the things he, he did in the first game he started last year wasn't the same as what he was doing in the fifth game. And uh, he... He, I want him to throw those picks. I want him to make mistakes. I want him to try to push the limits because then he, he will know what he can and cannot do in a live game, especially since I think he's going against a top 10, top five defense. And I mean, who you're talking about the right tackles, uh, Wilkinson and, and potentially Dotson, uh, who, who really can't stop uh, Von Miller though, you know? Uh, he, he's coming up and, and he's in rare form this season too because he's got something to prove because uh, he needs to bounce back from uh, you know an okay season last year but that wasn't a, a Von Miller season last year mm-hmm. and so he, he definitely wants to step up his game and, and prove to everyone you know that was a fluke yeah, uh, yeah father time's ticking but uh, he, he still got some, uh, some in the gas tank for, for the teams that we're going to see this year and uh, that's what I would like to think is going on. And I hope, you know, it, it, I mean, we won't know until, you know, less than two weeks from now. Yeah. 
You know what I think it is about Von Miller? I think that Von Miller is trying to break that stereotype. That stereotype that both football players get that after or uh, pass rushers get after thirty, after, like thirty yeah. years old, you know that they're that they're run out of gas. And I think that the, the physique that Von Miller has, if you follow him on Instagram, I, I have. It's, I mean, it's amazing. That man looked he, like he he took something and just <laughs> you know yeah. super hulked out of his mind. He is a beast. Yes, yeah, he is a beast. But at the same time, even with that muscle buildup and the speed and the quickness or whatever, that alone won't be enough for him to deal with, with double teams. And double teams is something that has plagued him the last two years. Yes. And the thing that sucks about that is with him, if he's going to get double teamed, okay, that's fine. But when you double team one player, you leave another person open. And that's where Bradley Chubb came in. You know, Chubb went down the middle, and he was able to get to the quarterback sack. Mm-hmm. But when when Chubb uh, got hurt last year and he went out, there was really that that presence was gone. You know, and there was nobody there to really pick up where Chubb left off. And even though Von Miller kept taunting the double teams, or when he was finally able to get around the the left or right tackle, by the time he got there, the ball was already gone. So, yes, like you like you said. This is, it's almost, you can almost call it a contract year because I believe Von Miller is what, in his fourth, fifth year of his contract? I believe so. So if it's not this year, it'll probably be next year. So he's getting close to having to re, uh, re, re-sign a contract. And I really do hope that he stays and retires the Bronco and that he doesn't decide to go elsewhere and explore, uh, you know, a, another option where some team would be re- uh, willing to settle uh, with his his talent and his skills but I, I think that this defense is it could probably almost rival what 2015 gave us I think it's that Ag- good agreed uh, and, and um oh go ahead I'm sorry I was just gonna add and by the by the time uh, you guys hear this podcast literally a couple hours ago the Broncos traded uh, uh, Isaac Yadam to the Giants so for a seventh round pick, I'm just glad we got something out of him. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure you know. Come the Saturday, I think it's Saturday when the it have to be cut to the 53. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, I, I would have speculated he would have been on the bubble. Yeah, and that to me is a win. It, yes, honestly, absolutely. It, it's a it's a win. Even it's a lot better than having to, you know, kind of try to keep him and cutting somebody else who had the potential, but you would only you were only kind of forced to keep somebody like Yadam, you know. And I wasn't really too high on him from the from the get go. I kind of it almost felt like a Brendan Manley type of uh, type of type of guy, you know, a guy who was just trying to play any position just so he can stay on the team. Yeah, you don't want a cornerback that says uh, he doesn't like running backwards. Exactly. So, uh, so who knows? But hey, good good luck to to Adam when with the Giants. Maybe they can do something with him. Then yeah, that that scheme might fit him better than uh than uh Coach Fangio's. But you know what? I'll be honest with you, dude. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Broncos fan. But if you decide to leave and not stay and be tutelage under the Vic Fangio defensive system while he's still in the league. 
it's fucking dumb. Right. <laughs> that's why. That, that's why. Also, I I was kind of dumbfounded with with Chris Harris. I thought that you know Big Fangio coming over that he would want to stay uh, and retire uh, Bronco and learn from Big Fangio and from his uh, teachings and what not. But instead of learning from Vic, it seems like you know Chris Harris went a whole different direction and he just became just what we saw in the field. Yeah, I was I was rooting for Chris Harris Jr. In, from from the beginning, being an undrafted rookie, and uh, he, he he learned under Champ Bailey, and uh, dude had skills. Um, but yeah, when when uh, Coach Fangio came, it, it seemed like he didn't gel with that system. Uh, then he started blaming everyone else for issues that I mean might or might not have been his, but I mean. It goes back to that leadership I was saying earlier. I was like, leaders don't do that. So, uh, and he was supposed to be one of the leaders in the locker room. He was a Super Bowl, you know, uh, on a Super Bowl championship uh, team, and it almost felt like he was like telling Coach Fangio, "You don't, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't know how to teach me because I've been to the top." Right. Um, and uh, and that's not what leaders do. And it, I. I was sad to see him go, but not really because uh, I don't think we needed that type of attitude and mentality on the team, especially with an, uh, a lot of young players in the locker room. Right, I got you. No, and, and I agree with you. And I think that he's, he's going to have a, a good season with, with the Chargers. But with them losing Derwin James for the season, that spells a lot of trouble for that that backfield because their, their front uh, their front line is really good. You know, that's, of course, saying that Melvin Ingram decides to come and play after, I don't know if he's still holding out by the, by the time this comes out. Right. So uh, the, 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 the Chargers, they really, aside from their defense, I think that they're going to have pretty much a season like we had the last four years where the defense was mm-hmm. good, but the offense was just... It's not clicking, you know, and I say that because the Chargers don't even have a starting quarterback, and I, nobody knows what Justin Herbert can do yet, and Tyrod Taylor has already been to two other teams, and he didn't make it there, and the Chargers, aside from Austin Eckler, I don't really think they have any, like, big wide receiving threats, not even Keenan Allen, and he likes to run his mouth a lot. (laughs) He thinks he is. (laughs) Yeah, so, they're, they're... They're barking up the wrong tree in terms of trying to compete with teams like uh, Kansas City and, and, and the Broncos. I mean, they might give the Raiders a run for their money because even right now the Raiders have a, a trash defense. And their offense, right. uh, their offense still remains to be seen uh, what they can do under Derek Carr. But with John well, Derek, Green, you never know. Derek Carr is going to do his uh, dink and dunk kind of stuff. He- He's going to get the ball out fast, and he's going to try to let his playmakers be playmakers. Yeah, and you know, like I said with John Gruden, he's been gushing all over uh, Marcus Mariota, him coming over. So mm-hmm. don't be surprised that you know he replaces him with with Derek Carr, and it's not because Derek Carr gets hurt, but it's just because Derek Carr's playing like shit. And then you know he comes in and he does what Tannehill did to him last year in Tennessee. <laughs> I can see that definitely. Mm, and I, I will say this though, I, I'm really hoping that 
Isaac Yadam getting dropped means that the Broncos are looking at bringing in Prince Mukamara. Because that, to me, was the very first thing that came into my head when I read that Yadam was gone. I um, I was uh, I was curious about, uh, about that myself. Um, I I know Prince was out there for for a while, mm-hmm. and the Broncos never bit. And I was always curious of why, and uh, maybe maybe Coach Fangio knew something uh, from working with him previously. But uh, I I still would have said, you know, bring him in at least for some depth, um, because it, it, I don't think it could hurt. The dude knows the system, so maybe uh, that's what the that's the what they're thinking. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and hopefully it's not something that, you know, Fangio knows of, like, an underlying condition, you know, kind of like what we did in here when we signed Bryce Callahan last year. Right, or Dwan James. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that if John Elway can convince Prince Mukamara to come to Denver for the right price, which is what I think is what's the reason he didn't come to Denver in the first place was because of the money. Mm, good point. Yeah. If, if they can find a, a reasonable price for them both to work on, then I think that they'll, like, the defense will be set, you know, in terms of depth at quarterback. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see that. So let's talk about a little bit about um, what you, uh, uh, the, the upcoming week one game against uh, the Titans. How do you feel about Jarrell Casey coming over for a mere seventh-round pick last week? Ooh, I am excited about that man coming over. Uh, they they did him dirty. <laughs> like, and, and we get to reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something I, I was going to mention when we were talking about uh, Von Miller coming off the edge and we needing him to have, you know, he's going to get double teamed and we need someone else, definitely with uh, Bradley Chubb there. But I think Rel Casey is, is going to be that, that dude in the mid, uh, coming up the middle just knocking people down and out of the way. And when it comes to this uh, the first game of the season, it, it's going to be this dude's revenge game. And I, I think he is going to bring the heat. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with you totally. I, and the only reason it, I, I, I knew who Casey was because I remember watching that playoff game and you just saw his jersey. His jersey was almost in front of uh, Lamar Jackson's face every other snap right and uh he he, he, you know i know a lot of bronco fans out there are a little nervous about uh henry uh running all over us and we need to stack the box and all that but i I think uh darrell casey has a a little insight uh about what what he can and can't do uh and he's going to definitely be sharing that with the broncos and uh, that should help us and i'm not as worried as most uh, when it comes to that, we we shut down Tennessee last year. So, uh, and that and that's with, um, I, I mean, Tannehill came in, uh, but he, he still didn't do anything either. Right. Uh, we have more tape on him, so I, I'm I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a grind. But uh, I think having Jarrell Casey on on our side coming over. Um, being disrespected by his former team, he, he, I think he's going to he's going to have something to say. He's going to be welcomed into Broncos country. 
Right, and I actually agree with you. I don't think that the Titans are going to be more scarier than they were last year for the simple fact that uh, Tannehill did play for a good 30 minutes against Denver's defense last year, and he didn't score mm-hmm. a single point. So I, I did talk to a couple of Broncos fans earlier this earlier this week, and they were just pretty much like, oh, you know, it's not the same Titans team. And, you know, look what Tannehill did after Denver. And that's when I pulled my finger up. After Denver. Mm-hmm. That's a few words right there. What he did after Denver. And what he did after Denver is the reason why uh, I don't know if it was Mike Vrabel or whoever's bright idea was to go out and shell out a shitload of money for Tannehill to stay, which obviously they, they didn't really need to do because Tannehill was the, the, the backup. I don't right. know why they went out and uh, threw out all that money. They could have given him a decent amount of money and still had money left over to pay uh, Casey. But, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they went. They decided to go out and break the bank uh, with Derrick Henry and give Tannehill and all that uh, shitload of money. And there was also another player. I think it was one of their offensive tackles, I believe, that they also resigned for for uh, for some money. And it, it to me, I I think that they they fucked up because while they did, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? empower their offense they kind of took away from their defense you know they did you know their their quarterback logan ryan is gone and he's still running around in the open market but i believe he wants a lot of money that's why no team signed him there and jarell casey the same thing he got traded for a, a mere seven round pick so the titans didn't have to pay him big money contract and it sucks that we lost Derek wolf i love Derek wolf i've been following him all career and he went to the Ravens, and I wish him the best of luck. But my heart broke every single time I opened up my phone, and it was Derek Wolf, you know, injured with Derek Wolf. Mm-hmm. Derek Wolf goes down, and it's just like you almost wanted to just throw in a towel for him and say, hey, you know what, big guy, just, you know, you're done, that's it. And it could have been a lot worse for him. And I respect that his passion was in the game. But you just didn't want to see him go and do something that might have ended for Yeah, uh, Exactly. I think uh, Ryan signed with the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Ryan. Ryan who? Um, Logan Ryan. Oh, Logan Ryan. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he signed with the Giants. I didn't, I didn't hear that one. I had seen some article before that said that uh, he was. Yeah, he sent all the teams out like a certain uh, list of uh, positions he can play and how much money according to his agent and whatever. But I don't know if it was a true article or not. Gotcha. But it's I'm glad that he found a team uh, for him to play with. But I don't think that the week one. Uh, I mean, as much as I would love for them to shut out the times again, I don't think it'll be that will be that lucky again. They might get a field goal, maybe a touchdown here in or there. But I, I think that Tannehill's in for he's in for a rough night. I believe that. And um, you were saying earlier about Fangio and having a few years under his belt that uh, the defenses just get better. You know, second year defense here. Um, you're already seeing the talent shine. Uh, I'm looking forward to a, a, a great game from the defense. 
And uh, I, I expect the offense is going to be a little rusty coming out of the gate, uh, just because they don't they don't have a lot of live rounds. They don't have any real live rounds against the team, and uh, they're and they're trying to put together um, you know a, a new offensive scheme, uh, which has been uh, Drew Locke's mo since college, but uh, always having a new coordinator <laughs> to to learn from each year. So. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that this kid picks up on things quick and uh, not saying that he's not going to do well this year because I think he's going to do well. But I, I think um, coming out of the gate, there might be a little uh, a little rust for the offense. And I think this will be definitely a defensive uh, showing to where they're, they're going to help uh, uh, the, the Broncos uh, win this game. So let me ask you this. In, there's been a lot of going back and forth of, uh, between analysts and fans alike about Philip Lindsay versus Melvin Gordon. And, mm. and you and I have been in a, another podcast room where they've gotten pretty heated arguments over <laughs> Round and round, yes. Yeah, round and round. So, and I've mentioned in previous episodes that I think that signing Melvin Gordon was a good thing. Because we need somebody that's not as as much as I'm impressed at the physique that Philip Lindsay, that Philip Lindsay, excuse me, has built. I still don't think it's enough where he can call himself a power back. And that's what supposedly Royce Freeman was supposed to be, but unfortunately it, it didn't pan out. And he's lucky to even be running back number three as of this making. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut. Uh, and, and brought in by somebody else. But who do you think is should be the, the number one running back? Well, um, should? <laughs> uh, the, the, this, this question is more of a heart over mind or mind over heart kind of question that I've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in my, in my heart, it, it's going to be Philip Lindsay. Uh, the dude can't be shut down. He he overcomes any obstacle that comes his way, and this is just another one of them. Uh, Gordon, though, my mind's saying Gordon because, you know, the Broncos paid him way too much money. And, and I don't mind the Gordon signing uh, because I do think they needed um, a, a, a different um, type of back uh, than than Freeman. Freeman, Freeman they're similar, uh, but not. Um I think Gordon has the better hands, and uh, I, I like the pickup, especially t- uh, p- um, poaching from a you know a, 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 a divisional uh, rival. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't agree with the amount of money. That was a lot of money to pay a running back, yeah. and so because of that, they kind of tied their hands. They're like obviously, this has to be Gordon's team, uh, but Philip Lindsay is not going. <laughs> he's not going to let it happen. And he, I mean, even during the the practices, uh, he has shown that it's not going to be that easy. Um, is I think when it's all said and done by the end of the season, it's going to be Phil Lindsay's team. But I think the Broncos are going to come out the gate pushing Gordon because they're following that money. He, he's the money maker. They got to get a return on their investment, and so they're they're going to be um, setting him up for success. Uh, but Philip Lindsay, uh, he's he's going to be uh, he's going. I think he's going to ruin it for them. And and, and kudos to him because I want him to. Right. No, I totally understand that, and I get it too. 
And, you know, going off of what you said, I think that Philip Lindsay is going to be the starting running back simply because he's had two amazing uh, thousand-yard seasons, thousand-plus-yard seasons. And he's, he's earned his fair share. He's earned the, the right to say, you know, I, I'm number one. This is my team. But at the same time, you need to get Melvin Gordon out there because that's what you're paying him all this money. And the last thing Denver needs is to go through another Jawan James situation where you pay a player a shit ton of money and they get hurt and they're on the sidelines watching Absolutely. from the bench. And to me, that would just, that, that's the last time, or I'm sorry, that's the last thing this uh, offense needs is to have somebody watching from the sidelines that you're paying a lot of, a lot of money for. So my whole thing is that I hope that they don't really see this as a rivalry, but more of like a, maybe a friendly competition. You know, if Philip Lindsay can go 20 yards, let's see Melvin go for 30. You know, if, if Philip Lindsay can scrimmage for a touchdown, let's see if uh, Melvin Gordon can, you know, scrimmage for a touchdown. Things like that. If they can learn how to bolster themselves and become just, you know, that, that run-punch combo, they can be really lethal. They can do some damage, especially when they need to, you know, give the wide receivers a, a quick breather here and there or give Duloc a, a moment or a down or two to come up with a, a, a play or a way to get uh, the offense going, you know? Uh, absolutely. That would be fun to watch, too. Uh, I would love to see them going toe-to-toe, play-to-play, like... Uh, you you, you want to go with the, the one that has a hot hand, but if they both have a hot hand, if they're both competing, that have that friendly rivalry, and it's like, oh crap, he just uh, he just scored a touchdown. My next go, I gotta score a touchdown. That's only going to be good for us, the fans, and the team. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think about the addition of uh, Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator and them having to drop uh, Scangarello? Uh, I was, uh, initially I, I was hesitant, uh, because I wanted, um, continuity is, is important. And I, I really wanted them to at least give Skanks a, a second chance to, to build what he's, he's trying to build with Drew Locke. Uh, because he didn't, didn't really have that. He had a, he had to start off with Joe Flacco and, and then, uh, Allen. And, and so he finally got you know, a quarterback that he can mold and, and you utilize uh, more, more, more so than the, the other two. And so I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do year two. And so initially I was disappointed, but then uh, the more, more I uh, learned about uh, Pat Shermer and what he can bring to the table. And, and also uh, on top of that, being a prior head coach, um, that, that definitely is going to help out, uh, uh, Coach Fangio too. Uh, the more I warmed up to the idea, and uh, I started doing a little more research and finding out what he can bring to the table, and, and it, it's starting to get me excited. That uh, it seems like he he uh, plays to the strengths of his players, which is what I've, I've been wanting for the last I don't know ten years, <laughs> or since uh, more five years since Peyton Manning, because uh, uh, since he retired. Um, because Peyton Manning, he he, he knew he, he was he was really the coach on the field. But um, since then, I'm like just play to the strengths of, of your players. Case Keenum, 
he had he, he would be great out of uh, play action and so what do we do barely did any play action i i didn't understand that and so uh from from what i hear uh coach Shermer is uh he does play to the 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 uh, strengths of his players and and that that gets me excited <laughs> yeah uh I know I mentioned uh, Pat Shermer in, in my previous episodes and how high he was on getting Drew Locke when he was still with the Giants mm-hmm. uh, last season. Uh, like, not last season. It was 2018, right? Yeah. That was uh, last season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, last season. But instead, the, commi- or the commissioner, or not the commissioner, GM, uh, Dave Gettleman, went with... Uh, what everyone's shooting for is uh, to take down the top dog right now and, and unfortunately it is Kansas City now Broncos can't, can't throw a few pennies at a Lindsay, but Kansas City is uh, raking in the, the dough for everyone on their team and their their coach. Yeah, so it's um, it, it, it's, it leaves it up to the imagination. And that's why I'm hoping that when we do face KC, that it's at their best. You know, and it's not because Mahomes has an injured foot or Tyreek pulls a hamstring and he can't run. If this defense is going to be tested and this offense, it needs to be with Kansas City at their full. You know? Otherwise, yes. it's like, if you win out of that, then it's like, oh, well, you, you're just going to hear, you're lucky Mahomes was hurt. You're lucky this player was playing and whatnot. And you just, that just takes a win. Yeah. Absolutely. So, in 
before we go, uh, Chris, in your personal opinion, I mean, I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to win because obviously we know Denver's going to win. But is obviously, there, <laughs> is there a certain score you had in mind, in or or do you think that it's going to be a close game or is it going to be a blowout? So I, I am, I've always been terrible, notoriously bad at predicting scores. Um, <laughs> uh, I do think it's going to be a closer game than, than uh, most anticipate, uh, just because I, I think Tennessee tightened down this stretch last year, found their groove and, and what they want to do as an offense. And it, it took Denver uh, bringing a can of whoop-ass for them to realize they need to do something different. So I, I do think they have a technique. They'll bring something different uh, to to the game um, in, in, in about less than two weeks. But um, I, I'm leaning towards a, a, like a 24-17 type feel. Um, I, I do think uh, they'll they'll be able to get some early shots at us. But I think the defense will our, our defense will tighten down um, and and allow our offense to to tee off. Okay, I can see that. You know what? I'm actually not the greatest at predicting either, but I figure that maybe for this season I'd take a, a shot at it in my podcast and just see how far off I am. I don't think I'm going to actually hit one, but if I do, it'll be <laughs> anything short of a miracle. <laughs> so I hear you. I'm, I'm going to say that the final is going to be Denver 30 and... Tennessee puts up two touchdowns. That's what I think my final is going to be. I think that Denver is going to, like you said, they're going to come off rusty out of the gate. But even even then, I think that Drew Locke is going to show that once that offense gets an idea, a groove of how to play. And me, for the simple fact, just thinking that the Tennessee defense is shot to shit. So I, I think that that Denver's going to get a pull away long enough where it won't result to, you know, it coming down to the wire in the 44. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see that. Definitely. Trust me. I, 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 was, I was tired of not uh, our, our team not making um, making it to the 24 point mark every, every game. Uh, last year, uh, they finally got it. They put Drew Lock in, and we started scoring 24 points or more. And uh, so, I, I, I definitely can see that happening too. Oh, like a breath of fresh air! It just feels good, doesn't it? Yes, sir, it does. <laughs> well, we're gonna circle around this one day, Chris, and we're gonna come back to it, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it on Twitter or post it or something, and see which one of us is was closer. To was closer? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it'll make for an interesting conversation. Um, no doubt. But thanks for coming on, Chris. I really do appreciate you for taking the time off to come and be a guest on my show. Um, I I appreciate the invite, definitely. No, thank you for coming. Uh, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I want to thank my guest again, Chris. Uh, Chris, is there somewhere people can follow you on Twitter if they want to catch up and follow you there? Yeah, um, I, I am on Twitter. It, it's uh, it's a weird name. It's uh, Chris Hiz, K-R-Y-S-S-H-I-Z. Um, so that that's my handle on Twitter. I, I'm not the most active during the year, but once broccoli season comes around, um, I'm usually every Sunday, Monday, whenever they're playing is when I'm, I'm on their 
tweeting or or cussing out the, the refs or something. <laughs> there you go, folks. If you want to catch up with Chris on Twitter, you can reach him at his handle and give him a follow and just say hi and thank him for his service in the armed forces. Let me just say again, thank you, Chris, for everything you've done for this country. Again, I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. We hope to see you next time for the next episode. And as always, at the, as I said at the end of my episode, you can if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas you want to throw at at me, you can let me know at Broncos uh, Talk Twenty Twenty at gmail.com. or you can reach out to me at Twitter yourself. My Twitter handle is at a six four ten Mexican. That's the number six F T one zero Mexican one word. And you can also reach out to me and follow me there for all Broncos talk and any Broncos related news. So for Chris Hernandez, my name is Elan Diaz. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you all next time.